0: Now presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Troy Maxwell. Good morning, Generation Church. Hey, I'm so excited to have Pastors Troy and Penny Maxwell with us today. And uh, we've known... We've known pastors Troy and Penny for a long
1: time. Uh, Pastor Penny is actually probably responsible for Melissa and I being married. And... um they're great matchmakers and um, just so glad to have you guys here. I said to the Saturday service last night, they gave us our first soundboard that I strapped to the hood of my car and drove all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina down here when we started Generation Church. And you guys have just invested in us for so many years and just been great mentors and spiritual father and mother. They pastor a Freedom House church in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a vibrant growing church with thousands of members and uh, God's just u- using them greatly. So join me this morning and give your best welcome to pastor troy and pastor penny maxwell oh y'all are nice you don't even know wow. if it's going to be good or not. It could have been really bad. It could have They're tanked last night. You're using your faith. You got a faith-filled church.
0: My <coughs> Go goodness, ahead, what an honor and a privilege just to be here. The last time that he came, I was a little uh, that he came, I was a little mad because he didn't bring me with him. Um, I had to stay back and preach. And uh, I told him this time. I said, "You're taking me to Florida with you. I want to see Ben and Melissa and the wonderful people of Generation." And I'm in awe at what God is doing in this church it's so amazing and I just really wanted to encourage you I know some of you are new here to generation and some of you have been coming for a really long time but um, I know that that sometimes when we're sitting at a really fine dining table experience um, if you've had that experience over and over sometimes you can get used to it and maybe take it for granted and I just wanted to just really encourage you uh, not to take that for granted, that this is, man, this is a five-star church, Amen. and and what God is doing here at Generation is so special and so amazing. And, you know, Troy and I have known your pastors for a really long time, and I was trying to do the math last night of how long I've known Melissa, and 33 years. I know we don't look that old. I know we look like we're just Y'all in our 20s. Y'all met when you were two. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll receive that. Um, but I just want you to know that you have the best of the best in your leaders. And I don't want you to take that for granted because um, I really believe that there are some people here. You know, I was, reading, I was reading about David and the story of David and just some of the things that he went through. And, and David was in the cave of Adullam, and there was a lot of people who had been hurt, who had been wounded under Saul's leadership. And they were people who had already been trained in ministry, who already knew how to fight battles, who already knew how to fight wars, but they needed a leader they could believe in. They needed a leader that would, would safely and, and just protect their heart, that they could give all they had. They could give everything within them and, and fight the enemy, but they needed a leader to believe in. And those, those people who came and served under David became the mighty men. Those were David's mighty men, but they had been hurt somewhere else. And I just feel like like there's some people here today that maybe have been hurt somewhere, maybe have gone through some things. But I just want you to know this is a safe place for you. This is a safe place for your family, for your marriage, for your children to grow. This is generation church for a reason. The generations here in this church, there's just a legacy that is just in the loins of this church. And I just really encourage you, if you've been coming for a month, if you've been coming since the beginning, five years, man, really plug in, really give your life. You have leaders of character and honor. And when you have that and you can just go all in and be free, man, do it, do it. Can we just take a minute and just honor your leaders for what you have? Come on, generation, you got some amazing leaders. So I just want to encourage you guys. I'm so proud of what you're doing, and it's just a blessing for us to be able to come and see this, and man, take it away, babe. All
1: right. Good to see you. Good to see you. We are from Charlotte, and um, I just want to say a couple of things before I get in this message. I just love your pastors, as uh, Penny was talking about, and I've known them for a long time, and they're great people, and uh, you're a great church. How I many of you know God's got a call on this church? I mean, there's something special that God's doing here. Come on, smile. Look at your neighbor. Smile at him. Smile at him. Even if you don't have teeth, just smile at him. It's all right. Just tell him this is a good church. You're in the right place. You're sitting next to the right person today. You're blessed. I tell our church all the time. You're blessed because you're sitting next to me. <clears throat> um, y'all are getting ready to move into a new facility in just a few short months, which is phenomenal. Let me let me encourage you just around that really quickly. Uh, two years ago, we. Uh, we were a church that was mobile, and for nine years, we set up and broke down. Nine years. It was pretty intense. And so we had, uh, we, we, built, we bought some land in 2006, and then we uh, we built a building a couple years ago, and uh, we went from a church that met, we had about 300, 400 seats in our auditorium, and then we went to a church that had 750 seats. And, um, you know, one of the things that I encourage you to recognize is it's one thing to take over physical space, but recognize that the calling on this church is to reach the city, to reach the nation. Um, you know, you can do big things. And but that it's not about the size of the building. It's about the size of your heart. And revival really has nothing to do with the size of the physicality. It really has this has to do with your ability, your capacity to to be able to Bring those that are coming I all our church all the time that You're here for those that are coming Every weekend it's not for you Once you've become a Christian Once you've gotten born again It's no longer for you Sundays are no longer for you And so get that out of your head That God puts you here to serve somebody else And there is somebody waiting on the other side of your obedience There's somebody that's waiting for you to step into your calling I'm going to speak to that a little bit today But I just want to encourage you that as you move into that new facility That you create some space in your in your own heart that it's okay if somebody parks in your parking spot. It's okay if somebody sits in your seat. It's okay if you have to park on the other side because the parking lot's so full with new people that you don't know what to do with. It's okay if you have to attend a Saturday night service or maybe a late Sunday morning service so you can have the the, the good times, the nine and eleven where everybody comes to church open and maybe you're standing in the back and maybe you're serving and and doing all those good things. And so I just want to encourage you to get ready for those That are coming. Get ready for those that are coming because there's a lot of people that need Jesus in this community. How many of y'all believe that? All right? And so, um, so if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to turn to John chapter 2. I'm going to get there in just a minute. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking in regards to kind of where you are. And I know you're on a series called Momentum, and you're gaining momentum. And uh, Pastor Ben has been talking about money and finances and, and different things like that. And I want to talk about the miraculous, the miraculous. How many of y'all could use a miracle in your life right now? Just raise your hand. If you could use a bona fide, God slap me upside the head, miracle. How many could have used one yesterday? Maybe one on the way to church today You know, you got a smile on your face But you argued all the way here Come on somebody, All right. Anyway, just be honest Just remember, if you lie in church, God will kill you It's the truth I mean, just read the Bible, Acts chapter 5 People lied in church and God killed them Anyway, Joshua chapter 3 And uh, Joshua chapter 3 We're going to get to John 2 in just a second But I was reading my Bible and I came across this verse And I want to talk about miracles and it says that joshua said to the people the children of israel getting ready to enter into the promised land and he was getting them ready to experience increase in god they had heard about the promised land generation after generation their fathers their grandfathers their family told them about the promised land now they can see it they're getting ready to cross over now they can see what they're about to possess and joshua says to the people consecrate yourselves everybody say consecrate Say it one more time. Say consecrate. consecrate. Now listen, uh, here, here's the deal. I need you to participate today because I preach quicker when you participate. You know, 30 minutes could be 15 minutes if you participate. But here's the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that, you know, Pastor Ben and I, we spend hours and hours preparing messages. If you take notes, if you, take, if you just listen, you'll retain about 7 to 10%. If you take notes, that increases to about 25%. Okay, if you take notes and actually respond, okay, respond, it'll go up to 75 to 80% of retention. And so that's a good return on a message prep, just to say, just just make it up. So so he says to the people, consecrate yourselves. Come on, say it again. Say "consecrate." consecrate. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Wonders. One translation says he'll do amazing things among you. One translation says he will do the miraculous. Among you. Now, here's the deal. It's God's job to do miracles. It's our job to consecrate ourselves. See, it's our it's not our job to be the miracle workers. It's God's job to be the miracle workers. The tough thing is, is many times we want to get in the miracle business. We want to guide God's hand for Him to do something for us. We want to make sure He's on our timetable. We want to make sure he does it at the right place, with the right person, at the right job. But how many of you know God does, has his own timetable? He's always on time. He's never early. He's never late. He's on time. There's, yes, he is. That's a good song. I remember that song. But, but our job is to consecrate ourselves. Now, consecration, let me tell you what it's not, and then I'll tell you what it is. Consecration is not coming to church. Consecration is not praying a specific prayer. Consecration... Is not, um, it's not being a life group leader or volunteering in the church. Those are all the great things. But consecration is not fasting. Consecration is, is not saying, thus thee, thou, thy God at the right time, at the right place. Consecration is being fully devoted to God. In other words, consecration is giving God veto power in our life. Giving him the op- opportunity to say no and we listen to him. We actually, when we're going in a direct, God says, no, because I want to do a miracle in your life. So I want to do something in your life. So you got to go this way. Well, I don't like to go that. Well, I need you to go this way. I need need you to turn this direction. I need you to stop dating that girl, that guy. Come on. Anyway, that was for somebody. I need need you to walk away from this situation. I I need you to step away from this person. I need you to get out of this relationship, out of this partnership. Consecration is giving God veto power. That's our job. It's, it's our job. Consecration is obedience. And when it comes to the miraculous, I was thinking, okay, so who can we learn from when it comes to getting a miracle? And I thought, well, you know, who, who really understands miracles is Mary. Mary understands miracles. Anybody that has a virgin birth understands miracles. I mean, birth period is a miracle. And, and guys, guys I, we just be thankful that we're not the ones that have to go through it because we'd be crying the whole time. Women, you guys are tough. Just saying. My wife had three. Lord, bless her. Bless her. So John chapter 2, we're going to look at what Mary knew about miracles. What she knew about miracles. She experienced a miracle in her own life. She raised a miracle. She ex- watched miracles all through her life. She, she raised Jesus. And now Jesus is 30 years old. He's getting ready to go into his ministry. And now, when you read the Bible, just just kind of teach you a little bit about studying Scripture. There's a couple of um, ways to study Scripture, and when when you see something for the first time, it's called the law of first mention. And when you're reading the Scriptures, whenever something is mentioned for the first time, you can gain a lot of insight around a couple of things. Number one, the symbolism. Number two, the foreshadowing of what's going to come. And so, when anything is mentioned for the first time, or Uh, something happens for the first time, you can really catch God uses that moment in order to foreshadow what's going to come ahead. It's called the law of first mention. This is the first miracle that Jesus did. Now, here's the cool thing about it. The cool thing is he didn't walk on water the first time. He didn't raise somebody from the dead for the first time. It wasn't uh, a dramatic healing. Cancer didn't fall off of somebody. He didn't, you know, grow an arm out or a leg out. You know what he did? He blessed a family. That was the first miracle. So look at verse 1 of John chapter 2. It says, on the third day. Everybody say the third day. day. If, If you can underline that in your Bible, that's an important number right there. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. That's Mary. And it says, it says, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. At this particular point in Jesus' ministry, he had only accumulated five disciples at this time. So he had five of his buddies. His posse was with him. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus, Mary, said to him, they have no wine. Verse 4, very crucial verse. We'll talk about it in a minute. Jesus said to her, woman... And that's really difficult to say. I've tried that before with my wife and it doesn't work. Woman... Get me a chicken pot pie. doesn't work. Woman, no, just ma'am, excuse me. Uh, No, anyway. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, the servants, whatever, everybody say whatever. whatever. He says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. Now, therefore, there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20, 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out some of the water, draw out some now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. The servants took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that had been made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom, and he said to, to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs, this first miracle, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. Notice that he manifested his glory in a blessing, in a miracle to a family. That's cool. And his disciples believed in him. All right, let's go back to the beginning here. Because Mary gives us a key on unlocking the miraculous in our life. And so it says, it says it, that Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. Now, I told you this is the first miracle. So let's look at this from the position of first mention. It says on the third day. Now this is really interesting because virgins were married on Wednesday, which is actually in the Jewish calendar, fourth day. Widows were married on Friday. They were married on different days. Now we know that this was not a widow because that would have mean marriages lasted for about seven days, celebrations. And celebrations of weddings continued and the whole city would come out to join with them. I've been to a wedding in, in Trinidad and different island cultures, which have adopted a lot of the same cultures, and I mean literally the whole town's there. Everybody's there. You, people you don't know is there. You're you know you're feeding people you have no idea who they are. They're crashing your wedding because they can. And it is a, it is a fat it is terrible when you run out of anything. You run out of anything, especially wine. It is horrible. So John is really telling us here in this situation. That it is the third day. Now why did he say third day? Because it really doesn't make any sense. What John is actually doing is foreshadowing that this was the beginning and talking about Jesus being raised from the dead on the third day. In other words, this miracle of water to wine is Jesus taking something that is empty, something that is bland, and bringing rejuvenation to it. This is the resurrection of Jesus Christ foreshadowed in his first miracle. And so let's keep going. It says, it says in uh, verse two, now both Jesus and disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, terrible, they could be fined that it would be, it would be horrible for the family. Everybody would ridicule them. I mean, this is not a good start to a marriage, not a very good start. And so Jesus, uh, uh, Mary, Mary comes to Jesus and says, hey, they're out of wine. Now, verse four is a little confusing because if you read it, it almost sounds like Jesus is like, just leave me alone, mom. It's not my time, but let's, we're gonna break that down in just a minute. He says, "Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is yet not yet come." And then his mother said to the servants. So she talks to Jesus. Jesus responds. She turns to the servants. By the way, the servants are you and me. In the story, this is you and me. And he says to the servants. She says to the servants, "Whatever." Everybody say whatever. whatever. Say it again. Say whatever. whatever. Now this is the key. This is the key to the miraculous that we do whatever. He says, do it. Whatever he says. See, all of us in this room right now have a whatever. All of us do. Think about it for a second. What is God asking? Because, see, here's the the thing about the kingdom of God. There's no standing still. Either you're backing up because you're not doing whatever, or you're moving forward because you are doing whatever. Now, that whatever could, it's not just spiritual either. It could be whatever in your marriage. It could be whatever in your finances. It could be whatever in your business. God is pressing on you and he wants to unlock the the miracle. He wants to do something significant in our life, but it's tied to our whatever, our obedience. I call it the whatever factor. We all face whatever factors in our life. All the time, we have whatever factors. And that's what Jesus says, will you do whatever I ask you to do? Well, now, hold on a second. Whatever. Now, that means that i really got to be dedicated to this. i got to be all in to this deal. I mean, that means I could be doing that, but I want to be over here. I, I, I want to go this direction, but whatever means i got to go this direction. Or whatever means I have to be in this relationship when I, this may not be the, it may not feel right, or I've been this job, and it may not feel right and I'm around this person. I really like this person, but God's saying I need to be here because they need to be some sandpaper to get rid of the rough edges in my life because that's what people do many times that we don't like. So the whatever. Turn to your neighbor. Find the cutest person around you and just look at them and just say, whatever. I'm helping the single people right now in the house. Could get you a date right now in church. Best place to find a date is in church. Can I get an amen, ladies? Trying to help you out. You'd be like, what are you talking about in church? Yeah, you better find a man in church. Don't be looking anywhere else. All right. now, hey, I want to give you four compelling reasons to do whatever. Come on, one more time. Say whatever. whatever. First is obedience to God is the doorway of us realizing our heart's desire. Obedience to God, the whatever factor, is the doorway of us realizing our heart's desire. See, I believe that God cares more about your dreams and desires than you do i really believe that i I believe that god cares more why because first of all i believe that god put the desires in our heart and when we lose hope he never does when we quit on the dream he never quits when we stop believing he keeps believing in us he never lets go of it he's always ready to move he cares. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Psalms 37, verse 3 and 4, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He shall give you the desires, the passions, in your heart. What is that desire? Is it a business that God has put in your heart? Is it, is it a relationship? Is it, is it a ministry? Is it, is it the next phase in your marriage? Is it a new season in your marriage? Is it, is it, is it a trip or is it, is it a financial goal that you want to make? Delight yourself also in the Lord. The word delight means not just get happy. Ha, yeah, that, that's not what that means. It actually means to lessen the load of yourself and increase the weight of God delight get rid of delight let go of it means to be pliable it means to be humble it says trust in the lord i love this dwell in the land dwell in the land stay right here don't get antsy don't get don't get shaken by the circumstances don't allow those things to pull you away see here's the thing about our desires many times we're good with obeying god when the next thing is our desire When the next step, okay, God, I see it, I see the goal, I'm okay with obeying here. But what about when God has you obey way back away from the desire? Maybe you have a business that God's put in your heart, but God is saying, will you obey me in the job you have right now? Will you be faithful in the job you're in? But I want to do this. Okay, but I need to test you over here first. I need to test you in what is another man's before I can give you your own. And so, so he says, will you obey? Whatever. Come on, say it again. Say whatever. God wants to bless you. I believe this. God wants to bless you more than you want to bless yourself. Many times we're hard on ourselves. Come on, quiet in this Episcopalian church. Now, here's the interesting thing. I told you verse 4 could easily, easily be said that Jesus is responding to his mother in a way that is, I don't want to do this. Okay. It could easily, because he, he says... The verse says, "Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come." Old Testament written in Hebrew, New Testament was written in Greek. The actual phrase, that verse right there for, really says this. It says, "Mother, they haven't recognized me yet, and they haven't included me in this situation. They haven't distinguished me. They haven't identified me. I came into this wedding. I'm the Son of God." And they don't even recognize that all of their needs can be met by the one who's standing in their house. All of them. Any problem you got. Any challenge you're facing. He's the one that can take care of it. They haven't recognized me yet. And, and you know sometimes we do that. But sometimes we don't recognize Jesus in our situations. We, we kind of ignore the little things that God does. Or we don't include him in our situation. Because typically, we we exhaust our own resources before we invite God. Why don't we invite him first to get involved in our world? Here's the second thing. Obedience transforms dead religion into living faith. So the mom says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do do it. Now, verse 6 and 7 is really interesting. Now, there were set there six water pots. How many water pots? Six water pots. That's important. Six water pots, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill them with water. Now, they were empty. Or at, you know, they had they already, uh, the water pots were there. Let me just tell you the history of it. The water pots were there because when people came to, to your house, if you lived back, back then, typically your feet were real dirty because you didn't, you know, your, your Gucci sandals got really dirty. And so you'd have to take your shoes off and you'd wash your, they'd wash your feet. And you'd wash your hands. Those two things were were okay to be washed. If you'd wash your feet, wash your hands. But there was no water in these water pots. And the interesting thing too is that there were six of them. Six is the number of man. See, what John was pointing out here was that this was man's attempt. These six water pots represented man's attempt to cleanse themselves. Man's attempt to try to be righteous. When in reality, Jesus is about to change the way that we become righteous through his shed blood. Our righteousness doesn't come in what we do. Our righteousness comes in what we believe, our faith. You don't work your way into the kingdom of God. You believe your way into the kingdom of God. And see, these six water pots, Jesus said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take something that... And, 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 and God's eyes is dead religion, and I'm going to flip it around to become living faith. Amen. Something that's alive. Amen. And I think it's really easy that our, our efforts can become dead, yeah. but Jesus still wants to turn those things around. Amen. Amen. See, I think, I, I, I think that many of us, even in this room today, have lived a hard life. Hard, it's been hard. But that pain... God can turn it around for good. All we got to do is fill it up, do whatever he says. I believe believe the disappointments that we've been through, Jesus can bring joy. Because that's what wine represents is joy and abundance. I I believe that, that, that even the hurt that we've been through, God can bring healing and use that as a way for you to be a testimony for somebody else's. Somebody else. I believe, I believe that the death, that we've, maybe the death of our dreams, that we think, God, we think, God, I, I just, I, this ain't going to happen. I'm, I'm 62. I'm 52. I, there's no way that this is going to happen. I'm, I'm 42. I, I don't know what's, this, my, this marriage is dead. God saying, no, 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 no. If you'll just fill it up with some water, I'll do a miracle. Just do whatever. Come on. Somebody say whatever. whatever. My, my kids run away from God, you know, not serving God. You know, I don't even know about this whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing. You know, all I see is people acting it out. And I see a bunch, a bunch of hypocrisy. Let me, just, let me just let you in on a little, a little, a little, a little a, there's a hypocrisy everywhere. Yeah. And it's it, even in the church. I'm sad to say, even, we all have a little hypocrite in us. Mm, quiet in here. Amen. So, <laughs> so he fills them. Now, here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. The measure of our obedience is the measure God uses for a miracle. The measure of our obedience. Notice in verse 7, it says, Jesus said to them, fill the, water with, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. They left no room for anything else. Now, this is key when it comes to believing God or doing whatever for receiving this miracle. Is We can't have a plan B. I think of, uh, you know, my, my wife and I, 12 years ago, we, uh, we had three kids. We had a one-year-old, almost one-year-old, a three-year-old, and an uh, almost three-year-old and almost five-year-old. We lived in Richmond, Virginia. That's where we met Ben and Melissa. And, and um, uh, we, God spoke to us and said, I want you to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. I want you to start a church. Now, I didn't know, I didn't know how to start a church. I didn't even know they had books about starting churches. <laughs> I was barely saved. Barely. And Penny was working it out. I mean, she was still working out her salvation. <laughs> so, so God tells us to move to Charlotte. We had no money. We didn't have any friends in Charlotte. We didn't know anybody in Charlotte. But what we did is we, we knew that if we did whatever, God would take care of the rest. Yeah. We picked up our family, sold our house, sold our house in less than 30 days. It's a miracle. I mean, it was a flat miracle because we tried to sell it before and it didn't work. And so, so God, we moved to Charlotte. We had a beat up Volvo, broken down Nissan. We moved. We had no money. We get down there. We pray for six months. We started with about 30 people and somebody gave us some money finally. That will, that's what we used to buy some friends down there. No, I'm just kidding. And, and, and what we realized, see, see if, if the sacrifice means something to you, then it'll mean something to God. I love what Robert Morris says about giving. He says there's three kinds of offerings there's the tithe, which is what we bring to God, there's the regular offering, and then there's the painful offering. That's when God speaks to you, tells you to do something, and you're like, well, hold on a second, that's gonna hurt God. It's the painful obedience that gets God's attention. See, see, Listen to Luke 6.38. It says, Give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure, one translation says, with the same standard that you use, it will be measured back to you. With the same standard will be measured back to you. Jesus is, one day he's with his disciples later on in his ministry. He's with his disciples. I'm almost done. And, And he's watching as all these people are bringing their offerings. Okay, so he's got his disciples, he's got his posse, they're chilling, and, and they see these people bringing their money... They didn't have checks back then, so they had to bring all their wealth. And the way that they distinguished themselves as wealthy people is they would make a real big, you know, act out of it. It would be huge, like the people bringing bring all their calves and their goats and their big chain, and have all their servants carrying all their money, and they plop it down in the temple, and then they walk away. And Jesus is just kind of, you know, chilling and watching. And then all of a sudden, this woman comes. She doesn't have all the stuff. She didn't have all the wealth. She didn't have all the servants. She takes two mites, the Bible says. She drops them into the the offering. And Jesus says, hold on, wait, wait, wait. See that girl right there? See that woman right there? She had given just two, two mites, very minimal amount of money. But see, what it was is for her, it wasn't the quantity of her offering. It was the quality that she gave it. It was because it represented all of who she was. It wasn't just off the top. It was everything that she had. She gave out of everything. She gave out of her heart. And see, God looks at that when it comes to our whatever. When we moved to Charlotte, we didn't have a plan B. We didn't have another option. If this doesn't work out, I don't know what to do next. I'd move my business. And that's the same with your pastors. Your pastors moved here. They didn't have a plan B. They didn't have no other options. They moved here, and that was it. And that's the way we have to treat. we got to fill it all the way up to the brim. We can't leave any room for ourselves. It's got to be all God. And then here's the last thing that I want to tell you. Obedience is the key to change and transformation. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master. And they took it. Now, this freaks me out right here. Because, I mean, we're the servants. Okay, just put yourself in the sandals of those servants for a second. Just think about it. It's your first day on the job. You're working this wedding, and, and... First of all, this woman starts, you know, giving orders to this 30-year-old guy. You're like, what's going on here? This woman's a little aggressive. You know, she's got a little attitude. You know, they ran out of wine. And, you know, what's going to happen here? And then this God-bearded guy comes up and says, hey, listen, I want you to take some water and fill up this water pots. And and he's thinking, look, we're out of wine. What, What does water have to do with us being out of wine? I mean, this is my first job. I'm going to lose my job. I don't know what's going to happen. See, the question that I wanted to know when I read this is, when did the water turn to wine? Because, you know, back then, they had, these were 20 or 30-gallon pots, huge pots. They didn't have water hoses back then. So they had to actually go and manually fill these water pots, carry them back. If you've ever carried 20 or 30 gal- gallons, that's, you know, 8 pounds a gallon. That's a lot of weight. That's like 250 pounds. So you got all these servants carrying up. But this, what about the guy who has to actually take the first glass to the master? Yeah. He, so did, did the water turn to wine when they filled up the water pots? I don't think so. So he, he's, he's talking to him and he says, What what, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus turns to the guy and he says, hey, take some of that to the master. The master was the one who could have got him in trouble. And so did the water turn to wine when he took the first glass out? I don't think so. And if I was the servant, I'd be watching that water the whole time. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to the water? Is it going to turn to wine? Because if I give this to the master, I'm probably going to lose my job. I'm out of work, you know, or get your head cut off. I'm going to be responsible for the failure of this marriage. What am I supposed to do? I mean, the whole time, I know he's thinking, and see, this is the way it is. And In the middle of our whatever... We're like, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make this happen? I don't have any idea how this is going to... I don't know how you're going to change this marriage. I don't know how you're going to mess with these... I don't know how you're going to change this business. I don't know how you're going to do this. But let me tell you, I believe that when the, when the servant handed the water to the master is when it turned into wine. When he let go of the cup and he let go and let God do his thing. Then, then, guess what? That's when the water turns to one. That's when God... See, whatever means I'm getting out of the way. Amen. I need you, God. I need a miracle in my marriage. I need, I need a miracle in my body. The doctors have given me a I need a... Whatever. Do whatever. You got to do whatever. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? What is your Whatever. It's time for you maybe to pass off the cup to the master, to give it to the master. Are you still holding on to some stuff, holding on to some past hurt, holding on to some past disappointment, holding on to some some stuff that you did, some sins that, that the devil is using to keep you out of your miracle? Come on, just give it to the master today give it to the master. Just let it go. Just let, just let it all go. Father, just thank you for every person in this room right now. God, I pray that as they pass the cup, their miracle will come to life. Their miracle will come to life. Lord Jesus, touch them right now. Come on, if that's you, if you, if you know in your heart, you, you need to let go of some stuff. I just want you to jump to your feet right now. Just jump to your feet right now. You know you need to let go of some stuff. Just stand up right where you are. Lift your hands to heaven. You know you, know you need to let go of some stuff so your marriage will change. You need to let go of some stuff because, because you, your life needs to, you know, you need to let go of some stuff because, you know, God has something, a promised land he wants to take. You just jump to your feet. Don't, have, don't, don't, look, look, don't let shame and, oh, I'm a leader in this church. Who Who cares? Who cares? It's time to fill it up to the brim. It's time to let it all go. It's tired of you getting involved with, just lift up your hands to heaven right now. Father, thank you for every person in this place, God, as you minister to them, as you give them the courage and the boldness, God, to step out on your word and your word alone. Whatever he says, do it. Father, I pray that your voice will be so distinct. Your voice will be so full of clarity, Lord, that there will be no doubts No conditions, no holdbacks, Lord. But you'll move powerfully in their life. Come on, today is your day for a miracle. Today is your day to do whatever. To do whatever. Come on, one more time. If that's you, just lift up your hands to heaven. Father, thank you. We surrender. Surrender it all to you. Pass the cup to you, Master. Because I know that you're saving the best for last. You're saving the best for last. If you're here today and you know you're not right with God, you know that you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never done that before. You've been coming to church, going through all the motions, doing all the right things. Can I just tell you, that's not going to get you into heaven. It's saying, Jesus, I need you to take my heart. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you, you know your life is not pleasing to God. You know it's not pleasing. You know the life that you're living, it, it may be hidden. Yeah, nobody knows about it. Can I tell you, you know about it and God knows about it. And he loves you in spite of it. And today, you just just say yes to him. All you got to do is just say yes to him. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, just right where you're, where you're sitting, just put your hand right on your heart. And we're going to pray together. Just saying yes to him. Young, old, doesn't matter. Just, just say yes to him. Just say, I want to give, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to, give my, I want to start new. The thing I love about God is you can press the reset button and start all over again. You can put a period in that story and give God the pen and let him write the rest of your story. Just put your hand right on your heart. Let's pray together. Everybody in the church, pray this out. Pray it loud enough so you can hear it with your own ear. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe your blood was shed for me. Come and change my life today. I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.